Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Uh, Jacob Daniel here with the Daniel Three Podcast. How y'all doing? Uh, this is a uh, pre-recorded live stream again, just because uh, while I'm still finishing up my uh, home studio, I'm doing it from work, and the internet here is like just good enough to get a guest on, but not really good enough to do a live stream without making it all choppy. Um, so is what it is at the moment. I'll I'll miss interacting with all of you guys live because that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm hoping, you know, sometime, probably not until after Christmas, um, but but sometime I'll probably get back into the swing of things once the studio is done with uh, doing everything live because I think it's more fun that way. But at the same time, there's utility to doing things like we are doing tonight. Um, tonight I have a guest who I'm going to uh, bring up here pretty soon. Um, tonight's going to be a conversation about anarchism uh, and like the divide between those who would classify themselves as uh, left anarchists, which is kind of more of the, of the, the classical anarchists. Um, the original anarchists were le- on the left. Um, and then the more like modern Rothbardian right uh, anarchists. And uh, there's a, a acquaintance of mine, kind of a friend, you know, we've, we've uh, had many battles uh where we've been at each other and then other battles where we've been on the same side. And so it's interesting. There's a lot of things we agree on and a lot of things we disagree on. And, uh, you know, the utility of uh, not doing this live is that we can just focus on the conversation and not so much on the comments and what people are saying. So um, I'm going to bring him on now and let him introduce himself. Uh, His name is Zach Britt. Zach, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Um, introduce myself or yeah go ahead and uh you know just introduce yourself and uh your background and you know maybe just i always like to ask my guests to start out you know to just explain a little bit about how they came to have the beliefs that they have sure okay um if you can't tell by my name uh on the screen it is zach Britt. i am a third year history major at mississippi state university I'm a regional coordinator with Students for Liberty, which is an international organization that facilitates um, discussions and and groups on campuses all across the world for libertarian thought um, and classical liberalism as well. Um, And I do a lot of other things on campus, particularly I am the, uh, I'm on the executive committee for a group on 
specifically on my campus for just about the abolition of prisons or just like broad criminal justice reform. So I do a lot of that work as well. Um, I'm also on Twitter at RealZachBritt. Not a lot of spicy takes. Get people mad. It's fun. And uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I feel like... Um... You know, so I remember when we first sort of became acquaint, uh, acquaintances, which was uh, you were trying to join the Mises Caucus group. And we also met like in the Fakertarians group on Facebook. And so we talked a little bit there back and forth privately. And then we got to talk a lot more when uh, the the Clubhouse app became more popular and we found ourselves in a lot of rooms. And uh, it, it was funny on Facebook, we seemed to be uh, and then Twitter later, we, we seem to often be. Uh, debating each other. But then when we were uh, talking in a more personable fashion in various clubhouse rooms, we were often on the same side. And so that was a little bit of an interesting uh, uh, dichotomy and, and, you know, sort of where I wanted to start out with maybe to start with where we uh, agree, I guess, because although we do have uh, differences in maybe uh, economic views, cultural views, etc., uh, we are both anarchists at the say at the end of the day. And so, you know, th there there clearly is many things that we would hold in common. So uh, I wanted to kind of start there, maybe get you to, you know, re regardless, like no left or right connotations, just describe what like your identity as an anarchist, you know, like what it means to you, like how you would define it and uh, what 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 it your your own take on these things are. Sure. Um, there were a lot of questions there, so I'll try to touch on most of them. Um... Uh, we have had some great conversations on Clubhouse, uh, like you said, you know, uh, on the same side of a lot of debates and conversations and discussions, which is, I mean, e even for a, a left or right, like, you know, both of us being different left or right anarchists, um, it, it's definitely, it, it's definitely easier on Clubhouse because it's just overrun by statists. And so, you know, e even if you have like a minor disagreement, even if it's an important disagreement, you know, things that are important to discuss and hammer out, um, obviously going to be on the same side on a lot of issues so yeah 100 um and, and then that, that goes into the whole thing where on, on my twitter bio i have hashtag bottom immunity and I'm, I'm a big proponent of it i think that left and right libertarians anarchists uh should unite on the issues that we agree on form coalitions because i think as a as a unit whether it be through um direct action or whether it be through um even even voting some some anarchists might not like voting but it can be used as a source of good um you know, to achieve things that we want to get done in, uh, you know, whether it be in the government or in society or whatever. Um, and then I, I would say um, right now my belief on anarchism is that anarchy, and even ANCAPs can, you know, agree with this. Like anarchism is the belief that all hierarchies that are unjust should be abolished. Now you can, whether or not you think that, um, you know, certain hierarchies are just is obviously subjective and caps believe that capitalism is a uh, just hierarchy. So they want to keep it up there. But obviously, anarcho-communists, for example, which I, which I am not, by the way, anarcho-communists would say that capitalism is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's an unjust hierarchy. And so we must abolish it and have communism everywhere. Right. Um, so that's kind of the generally where I come from is I, I want to, I, I seek to um, e either limit or abolish um, most unjust hierarchies, I would say. Cool. So, you know, kind of also continuing to try to figure out like, cause you know, just to point out on the things we agree on, I feel like a lot of things pertaining to the, the nature of the state and some of like the really big issues, I feel like 
you know, there's not going to be really any disagreement. Like, so, I mean, we can just run through the list. I mean, obviously, I, w- I would imagine that we're both against war, um, you know, yeah. especially against state, you know, Yeah, you know, I mean, I wouldn't classify myself as a pacifist. So I guess there's the maybe hypothetical, hy- 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 hypothetically a situation where perhaps, you know, uh, war on some scale might be justified, but to me, it's never justified through the state because of taxation and just, uh, you know, the, just kind of like the na- nationalism that's sort of inherent in the state, I think just makes, you know, just the idea that there could be a just war is usually uh, impossible. They always end up targeting innocent civilians and people who aren't, you know, responsible for the crimes of uh, the other nation. So you know, I, I would imagine war is where we, you know, one of the major issues we agree on. Nationalism is probably another issue where we would probably agree on. Um, you know, I, I feel like nationalism, although I can sometimes maybe try to rescue a baby from the bathwater there, because I guess there's different types of nations or nationalism, but at least like the type of nationalism that is sort of like the, this this kind of collectivism that like, makes you very uh subject and dependent to the nation you belong where it's like any crime of the nation is a crime that we hold the individuals of the nation responsible for even if they had no say in it um you know kind of like you know it's like oh uh uh i guess an example would be like you know let's say world war ii germany uh was obviously like the german government and the nazis were evil but it would be wrong to hold every german accountable for the crimes of the Nazi. So I, I would imagine we agree also on just kind of like the nature of nationalism in general. Could so I add can... something to that? Yeah, go ahead. If you, I, I yeah. mean, feel free to, to, if okay. there's any little nuances there you, you feel like you need to pick out, go ahead. Sure. So that I don't know if you've taken a variety, I'm sure you have taken a variety of political compass quizzes, but there's, there's this question on a particular one and, and there's a, a variation of it. It's, um, everything my country does is good, or I believe that my country is greater than others. And I, I find that I have a lot of disagreement with people who answer yes to either of those questions, because I think that no matter where you're born, um, you know, like, or, or, or there's another question where it's, I, I'm proud uh, to be a member of my country, right? Which I mean, I, you can have that answer yes to that question and, and not be a nationalist. But I found that like, people who think there's certain uniquely good things about the country they're born in or that they they should have some sort of loyalty to the country they're born in, whether it be the state or the nation um, or the nation state, right? Um, I found that I, I disagree with those people quite a bit. And that, that's where a lot of, um, you know, my little squabbles on Twitter come from is people who are, you know, they, they think somehow uniquely America is good at protecting liberty or, you know, being just, generally like respecting human rights, property rights, all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. American exceptionalism and, and things like that. I'm very, not, I'm very much not a fan of. And it, it's like, to me, it's like, if, if there's anything good about a nation, it can be separated from the nation. Like if there's anything good about America, uh, like the nation of America or the history of it, it should be the ideas that we can separate from the nation or individual acts of people within that nation that we would say, well, it wasn't because they were American that they did those good things. Those are just good things. We evaluate them as good or bad on some other sort of, uh, you know, epistemology. That's not just like, you know, it was good because it was American. So um, I I think it's okay to have a certain pride in certain group identities you have. And sometimes that can be like, like if you're a member of like, um, like a first nations tribe or uh, I don't know, some kind of culture that you describe as a nation, I guess that's, 
you know, again, like there's a little baby and a bathwater thing kind of thing there. And I always try to not be, I don't know, like, like too quick to damn any form of nationalism. But I think it's, it's, you know, in a general sense, something that as an anarchist, I I push back pretty strongly on. And it sounds like you do too. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and there are, you know, we, we can't, we can't forget that there are individuals like to use your indigenous nations uh, example, there are individuals within this uh, w- within some of these first nations and who are we to say that they can't, you know, have a common identity, right? They're individuals. They, they make these choices. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that collectivism is an, an evil that we need to, you know, fight against. But at the end of the day, there are certain, you know, certain ways in which people can collect can, can collectivize themselves and all the individuals within those people you know they, they identify with that you know does that, does that make sense yeah no i i would agree with that it's you know um uh, just to quickly run through the rest of the areas of agreement you know i'd imagine you know uh again a lot of this stuff is probably common sense but i just feel like it's it's useful at the beginning before we get into a lot of the differences just to highlight all the areas of agreement i mean because i feel like Although it's going to seem, I think a lot of times it can feel like left and right anarchists are like worlds apart when in reality it's like we're just two like extremes within a very small minority in which like we're a lot closer to each other than we are the rest of the world. But it's just we hyper focus uh, on our differences. But, um, you know, but like, you know, the, the, the war on drugs, the police state. Um, you know, that, that stuff, you know, I think we're going to agree pretty much across the board. I, I can't imagine, you know, like, like I'm, I'm pretty anti-police. I, I believe that if there's any type of security that should be provided to people or some kind of enforcement of contracts and stuff that should be done by, uh, the market, not through so many kind of monopolistic, uh, you know, uh, state provided force. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the war on drugs obviously being a, a huge uh, tragedy uh, of human uh, uh, human value in life. I mean, America has like the world's biggest prison population pretty much because of the war on drugs. Causes a lot of, of issues. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty bad there. Um, you know, and, and I guess like to get to more, you know, it's like on the, on the issues, I, I feel like I feel like the only issue, which we'll probably get into a bit later, but the only issue that uh, I think right and left anarchists will often butt heads on are probably things more pertaining to uh, economics and probably pertaining to borders, which, you know, we'll get into there. But other than that, I feel like, you know, war, the war on drugs, the police state, you know, uh, criminal justice reform, like these are things that that left and right anarchists, you know, will we'll generally share the same end goals with. Um, in, a, in a philosophical sense, I, I would imagine, you know, we, we both view uh, the state as an, an instrument of coercion, um, you know, like I would describe, uh, you know, as identifying as an anarchist that now, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep my Christian spin off of this a little bit because that just that, that would make the conversation 10 times longer and more complicated. Um, but like just describing just the anarchist side of my beliefs, uh, I don't believe that any man or woman has the right to uh, be a master over somebody else. And that, you know, it's kind of like, or another way to state it is I believe in self-ownership, that that we are autonomous, sovereign individuals, and that the only uh, interactions between these sovereign individuals should be voluntary, that there should not be some 
you know, or I also like the language of like rights, where I believe we all have the same rights. There aren't, it's wrong for there to be any person or group of people that have a right to do something that I don't have a right to do. Um, and this doesn't solely exist through the state, but the state's kind of the most common and most current uh, uh, form or apparatus in which uh, these things get violated. Um, you know, so, I mean, is there any, anything there you disagree with? Like, I can't, I don't think, I think there we would probably pretty much agree that that's sort of like the fundamental basis of anarchism is, uh, you know, believing in the sovereignty of, of, I guess, like individual rights, or would you add any nuance to that? Um, I could add something. Um, I, I think that, you know, having people in the movement or the party that agree with us on certain positions are, you know, it's important. But I also think that the reason why people come to these positions is also important, right? Because you can kind of like a, a broken broken clock strikes twice or, or, you know, sometimes broken clock can get things right. You know the saying, right? Broken yeah. clock. Um, sometimes pe people can have certain like good positions on uh, like, say, uh, taxes, right? But it's for the wrong reasons. You know, they they come at it from like a like a status position, right? Like like a conservative that has libertarian positions on some things, or like a you know social democrat that would have certain you know positions we would agree with on like you know drug 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 laws or criminal justice reform, right? So these people might agree with us on certain positions, but if if they you know have the wrong reason for getting that to that point, then that's that's where we should you know have the discussion. Um, maybe maybe welcome them to the party, even just like you know say, hey, this is why we come to our conclusions. You know, these are our principles, right? You may not, you may have different principles or like a different way to come to these things, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, as long as you agree with us on certain things, then, you know, you, you can come fight with us. Cool. So I think we've covered the areas of agreement pretty well. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, one of the topics I wanted to start with as far as like where I feel like, you know, you and I and then left and right anarchism will di diverge a little bit um, is sort of like you kind of started out with this, your definition and you you modified it slightly from how you've used it in the past, at least on Twitter. And I won't hold that against you because Twitter gives you character limits. So we are always having to modify the things we say on Twitter. Um, but you said it's the uh, was it the abolition or the opposition against all unjust hierarchies? Yeah, that's um, correct. Yeah. So um you know, it seems sometimes from my perspective that it almost seems like left uh, anarchists are are generally almost always against um, hierarchies or, or they view hierarchies as always inherently uh, unjust or, or or at least they view them very suspiciously. Um, so, so maybe we can dive a little bit more into uh, into that. Yeah, so um, I, I use the definition on, on Twitter that, you know, left anarchists or even just anarchists in general are, you know, in favor of the abolition or the strict limitation of all hierarchies, which I had one of my friends who was an ANCAP, um, you know, and we, ha we had a discussion about, you know, the nuances of capitalism, but, you know, they told me the definition from their perspective, which is an ANCAP perspective, was the abolition of all unjust hierarchies. And that makes more sense to me too. Because yeah. like like I've seen on Twitter, there are some hierarchies that may be that that people may perceive as hierarchies, but that are actually just like natural. And there's really not much you can do about it. So um it, it's not about like, 
you know, we have to abolish all hierarchies no matter what. There are some hierarchies that can't be abolished because of nature. However, even some of those that may be natural, they can be mitigated. Um, so it's just it just depends on on which which of these, these hierarchies you think is um, valid or just or even natural, essentially. Sure. Yeah, I um, I, th I remember that conversation because that's what I was alluding to earlier. I was like, you you've kind of amended it since I guess that interaction because I, I would agree with that in a sense that like if a hierarchy is unjust well i mean like it's sort of like almost necessarily something you have to uh reject because if it's unjust that means like uh, you know what i mean like how could you support something that's unjust it's kind of like definitionally like i like you know i i support things that are that are unjust it's like it's, no one would do that and i guess it's kind of like you know the devil might be in the details about like how we would define what makes a hierarchy just or unjust which is you know maybe where we need to dive in a little bit you know to me if if um you know so let's pretend we have perfect anarchy we've removed the state uh Based. you know from the equation we have uh, a society that's completely you know a, a spontaneous order of people just interacting with each other um to me if any hierarchy is formed whether it's through nature or through the marketplace, uh, some kind of business or some kind of organization uh, or or some kind of societal order, if it's happened without coercion, uh, like no one has, uh, I guess, like violated the nap, no one has uh, initiated aggression or coercion against uh, another or another group of people, uh, I would have to say that hierarchy is, is just where I, I don't know if this is something you would agree with. But I feel like some left anarchists and just left-leaning people in general would say a, would say a hierarchy is unjust if it produces an an inequality. So, which way would you lean there? Uh, is it is it just that we need the absence of coercion, or uh, would you say that if a hierarchy produces an inequality of uh, you know you know a certain degree beyond what is desirable or something that that it's something we should oppose i mean, I mean it's definitely a tough question and one that i haven't really thought about very much um I, I would say there are some there are some unjust hierarchies wait i'm just having difficulty framing this so maybe a little bit of both i would say a little um, bit of both. So I mean, yeah. so I mean, uh, you know, if there's ever a point where there's coercion that's that's in, you know implemented, we're, we're both going to pretty much like you know across the board be against that. So th there's there's no debate there. That if if like if someone gets ahead, gains some kind of power or status or advantage, and it's not through voluntary uh, transaction, it's through some sort of uh, aggression. Um, that's going to be something that that we would both uh, be against um the, the the inequality thing is where we're going to start to probably see more more diverging thoughts because to me inequality is uh inevitable and while i wouldn't say that inequality is like it i wouldn't say inequality is desirable in the sense that like it's not my goal like it's not my goal to produce inequality but if you try to make your goal to eliminate inequality I feel like there's a little bit of a danger there because the 
I think you hit a point, you hit a wall where if you've removed all, like if, if there's in a, there's definitely in our current like market we have today, uh, inequalities that are caused by different levels of coercion, like corporate welfare, bailouts, um, you know, things like that, uh, where, where, um, you know, uh, intellectual property laws, copyright, there's things where people have gained what I would say is an unfair advantage in the marketplace and have exploited that, exploited that for wealth and power. And I'm against that. And I'd imagine you would be too. Um, but absent that, if an inequality exists, I don't know if there's a way to oppose it without instituting some sort of coercion. And that's where the it gets a little bit slippery. Like when some when some left anarchists say that they're against inequality, it's like, okay, well, there's always going to be varying levels of competency, right? And some people will be more successful than others. What what do we do to combat inequality? Uh you know, and and what level of inequality? Like, do we need perfect quality, or is it like, is there a certain amount of inequality that's tolerable? But when it hits a certain point, it's no longer tolerable. I guess that's where like my my questions would would be aimed at. Sure, and I, I can answer that with with a with a very um, a very relevant example. So there's an essay by Charles Johnson. Um, he works for the Center for a Stateless Society, and he goes about and he talks about. Um, like a market freed from capitalism and his, his definition of capitalism and yours might be very different. Um, but basically the idea is that, you know, if we, if we eliminate the state tomorrow, right, we're not going to have, a, we're not going to have a perfectly free market with like, you know, property rights being respected, right. There's still going to be the, the aftermath, the effects of privileges or um, monopolies granted by the state that still exist in the market. You know, corporations are still going to exist that have been built up off of taxpayer money, been built up off of um, unjust land titles, even sometimes, you know, taken from people, whether it be through eminent domain or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, opposing, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself to be a state reductionist because I don't think that we should strive to eliminate the state at every single turn, no matter what. Because at, at the end of the day, like if, if I had a button right now that said, eliminate the state right and that that was the, nothing else ha changed except for the elimination of the state my ideal society wouldn't exist and i, I doubt yours would either i mean w would you would you press that button and you know your, your perfect society would exist just because the state doesn't exist anymore or would would something else have to be done before that yeah no i mean it's it's a bit of a tricky question i mean um i'm really tempted it, it, you know there's a button that says that the state ceases to exist mm -hmm. i'm tempted to press it but I feel like the inevitable conclusion of that is that if the culture hasn't changed, they'll just create another state. Um, I would certainly be like interested to see that experiment, though. Like, I, I don't. I, I would say I'm a little agnostic. Like, I'd like to, but I'm I'm not convinced that it would lead to the society I want. It's possible, but it it could probably cut. It could probably go either way. Well, it's like the stereotypical, I know probably most ANCAPs don't believe this, but the stereotypical, you know, ANCAPistan where the state ceases to exist and these large corporate, you know, corporate overlords decide to like buy entire like land, like giant lands, like states, like entire like, you know, states of, of, of land, just buying it outright and then owning that land and, you know, tax, taxing people that want to live there in the form of like rent, you know, just very authoritarian, like you know, even like small scale, like monarchies. 
you know, I've heard that concern, but I guess it's just, to me, it's unfounded because if you've, again, this is all kind of hypothetical. So it's a little, like it can be a little silly, but um, if, if there's no state, there's no way to buy land except to buy land from people who already own the land. But uh, the vast majority of state of land that's owned is land that's not developed or homesteaded at all. Uh, And so I, I think that, the idea that like corporations and an ANCAP society would just buy up all the land. It's like, well, how, buy from whom? Like right now they buy it from the state, you know what I mean? Cause the state kind of holds this artificial monopoly uh, over the land. So they're able to use their vast resources to the state to be like, Hey, we're going to be the owners of all this on, like we haven't done anything to it. We've just given money to the state to say, we own this unoccupied unhomesteaded land. And now we get to either sell it, to somebody else or, you know, let, you know, sell or, or we'll uh, rent it to people, lease it to people and stuff. But I, I feel like that would not be very feasible in an ANCAP society because there's no one to go and, you know, uh, you can't go to the, the middle of uh, Colorado and an unabandoned field and like, I'm going to buy this land. It's like, cool, but nobody owns it. So like your choices are to homestead it and make something that people want to buy or like you can say it's yours, but like there's no power to enforce that. Uh, well, so your pre- your prerequisite to owning land would be to homestead it. I mean, uh, generally, um, you know, it, it, land ownership's a bit of a uh, that, that that could be almost a whole podcast. I mean, I've I've looked into the various different thoughts. I've looked into like the uh, the George's critique of of land ownership uh, very extensively. Like I read Henry George's. Uh, progress versus pro, pro, no, progress versus probably the property versus progress I, it's like p versus it's pvp i forget the exact words that go in there but i i've, I've read uh um i read from that and and talked to georgists on their critiques of that and you know it, it's definitely it, it's a part of the ancap literature that's a little underdeveloped if there was going to be a place that like um you know it's like how would land ownership exactly play out uh, and, and the, like the answer is usually, well, it's through voluntary transactions in the marketplace. It's okay. But like, what does that look like? And it, it, it's a little bit of, it, it kind of varies because the way that it's going to work in a city or urban environment is going to differ from how it's going to work in a more rural environment. So, but, but in general, homesteading is probably the, at least the first basis for a legitimate claim to to land ownership, I would say. Yeah, and generally speaking, I agree with that. You know, I'm not too well versed, or you know, uh, um, too well versed, or you know, well read on the subject of like property norms. But a, a lot of my disagreement with a large majority of like right anarchists or ANCAPs would be a lot of them, or some of them, typically ig- ignore um, ignore the real reality that a lot of property claims right now are only existing because of um, the state granting it or the state having an, a monopoly over property. And even Rothbard talks about this in, in, in you know, great length. There's the one essay, um, Confiscation, the Homestead Principle. Um, yes. he, he even brought up in other essays as well. Like, you know, really, some would even call like left libertarian arguments for property norms, but like Rothbard saying it like back, you know, in the 80s, right? Like, you know. I think the only, so like, I, you know, so, so communists don't really have private property norms. Mutualists kind of do, 
but the mutualists lose me when it comes to absentee property ownership, because I do believe that if you've homesteaded something that has a particular purpose where you're not going to always be in your property, I don't think that means you forfeited your right to your property. Uh, I just think that, you know, there there's various ways that would be enforced and negotiated with your neighbors and uh, and things like that um I, I certainly understand the critiques about our current system and 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 rent seeking and and things like that but i think those are more a result of the state than they are of capitalism uh or private property you know rights uh in a vacuum uh I think, unfortunately, a lot of, I mean, I think this is true of just people in general, but it, it, there's a lot of people who call themselves ANCAPs, but really have not dived deep into the literature. It's just like they go, oh, well, taxation is theft. I'm an, I'm an ANCAP. It's like, yeah, there's a bit more to, to, to anarchism and anarcho-capitalism than just taxation is theft. It's not like, it's, it's not like anarchist society. It's just everything that's true about our society minus taxes, that's a bit of a, a gross oversimplification. Right. And this might be a little bit off topic, but even looking at, you know, Rothbard's like classic, classic Rothbard, his, you know, originally he, he invented the word anarcho-capitalism, right? It has its roots in this, um, this individual anarchism, like from, you know, the 1800s, right? You know, Proudhon, Benjamin Tucker, it has its its roots in, in that, you know, foundation, right? Like classical um, classical libertarianism, you know, the original anarchism, right? Not all classical libertarianism or, you know, anarchism as it is traditionally used, not all of it is um, collectivist. Not all of it is, you know, the social anarchists you think of when, when you think of like anarcho-communists, right? So, you know, his work definitely has value, I think, even in left libertarian spaces. And I, I do think that his his use of the word um, capitalism is definitely interesting, I, I think, um, because I, I agree with him on a lot of things, whether, you know, whenever it comes to the property norms and, and markets, but I, I don't think that what he advocates for is like capitalism. I just think it's free markets. And I, I think you, you probably think that, you know, free markets and capitalism are synonymous, right? But sort of, but I also don't feel the need to die on that hill. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not so tied to the word capitalism that I feel a need to, uh, you know, to to a fault, ar- like argue for the term. Uh, the principle matters more to me, which is just like, I mean, I'm, I definitely am a big proponent of private property rights. So, um, I believe in voluntary trade. I believe in self ownership, and I believe you own the products of your labor and. Uh, no one has a right to your body or your property. So, I mean, it's like, if we can agree on that, then it's like, okay, well, the devil is in the details a little bit maybe, but I, I really don't, you call it zebranomics or whatever. Like it, the, the, the name's a little bit of like very little consequence if, if the principles are, are there. Um, I, I like the term ANCAP or, or capitalism just because it's a, it's a nice short, it's a nice uh, term to help distinguish at least that I'm an anarchist, but I'm not a socialist because I, I definitely don't believe in the the labor theory of value or in the idea of, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in an anarchy devoid of private property rights, I guess. So if there was a better way to, you know, language is a bit of a, you know, like words are tools. So I want to use the best tools. 
someone gives me a better word than anarcho-capitalist, I would I would consider it, but I've yet to come across it because it's uh, it's just the best like it, it's the best way in very short uh, in a short time span to uh, pr- provide a shorthand for what my beliefs are, I guess. So, sure, yeah, I um I so I, I don't mean to be a shell, but I have this book, Markets Not Capitalism. Even yes, if you are, even if you are right libertarian, you should read it. It's a good book. Um, and, and I kind of laughed a little bit because there's one of the uh, one of the essays goes goes into like it's a very nuanced essay. It's about um, Rothbard particularly and his idea of capitalism. And there are some people arguing that you know Rothbard should be included with the individual individualist anarchists, and therefore would be included under the umbrella of socialist, which. Very broad term, right? But, but not 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 thinking of like state socialists, right? But you know, he he wouldn't be considered a a capitalist by by these people who are left market anarchists. So yeah, you know, like to me, like capitalism just stuff. like like to me, like capitalism means the private ownership of the means of production. And if you define it any other way, I just feel like you're muddying the term because it's like if it's anything beyond that, well, like well, then it's not capitalism and the same thing happens to socialism like people tend to use the word socialism in ways that i'm like well you know socialism to me just means the opposite of capitalism it's the collective uh ownership of the means of production so i'm I'm definitely against that so um you know and but but then it's confusing because some left anarchists um and mutualists describe themselves as left socialists and i just I don't. I don't quite get it, and I've tried to study mutualism a bit, um, but it, it just seems to me like it's a lukewarm in between, I guess, and and that's that's why I have an aversion to it. It's like they don't quite agree with socialism, but they don't quite agree with private, like just full Austrian private property anarchism, and so they're they're kind of in this weird muddied middle, where I I don't know. It's like I. I because sometimes it can depend. It depends who you talk to. I've had some mutualists describe their economic framework to me, where I go, "Well, that's just everything I believe, basically." But I've had others describe their economic framework, and I go, "Well, that just sounds like socialism with extra steps." So, <laughs> what, yeah, what, yeah, what do you? Of, go ahead. I was just gonna say, one of my friends, uh, you might know him as Black Mutualist, but I know him as a as by, by his real name. Um, but he, one thing he said to me once was that. And caps are about like two steps away from mutualism, and so that's why he, I, he, 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 you know, he tries to, uh, you know, align himself with and caps and like the LP in general because he believes that and caps are actually closer to his ideology than say other mutualists would, you know, like to to say. Um, yeah, I, I forgot what I was going to say after that, but yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's like we should probably dive a little bit into the economic differences, which ties back into the original topic of hierarchy. But it's just it's like, uh, you know, is there is there anything about private property rights that you find yourself at odds with, Um, you know, something you think that either it's missing or something that needs to be uh, added to that to have a a functioning economic system? Because, I mean, to me, I'm happy to to you know this is why i classify myself as more of a right anarchist at least you know but economically is it's just that i i feel like 
it, it all it all boils down to self ownership. Like to me, it's like anarchism necessitates self ownership because if you don't own yourself, that means somebody else does, and that can't be anarchy because that would violate the no masters part of no anarchy. So I mean, of of, of uh, no, the the no masters, yeah, the no masters part of anarchy. So uh, self ownership necessitates property rights, I think, and I don't know how you can have trade or any kind of economy of scale without without that. So what are your thoughts on that? Sure, I can go into that. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, but I, I think that a lot of the, 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 pri the, the private property uh, land titles that we have right now are unjust in the way that they, it's just been you know, granted through state privileges and state monopolies. But right. I also think that, um, and this book goes into it, you know, it, one of the titles, it, it's, it's against bosses and inequality. Um, so essentially, you know, if, if a person wants to work in a, a, a wage labor scenario where they have a boss and, you know, in my ideal society, they would, they would be more than willing to, but there will be better alternatives, right? So an alternative to like the wage labor um, traditional sense of a business would be, you know, like a democratized business where you have like a worker co-op. But right now, because of, you know, multi multiple different, uh, you know, forces going against it, you know, the state has certain uh, tax codes that, pro that prohibits or, you know, limits the ability of these people to form their co-ops. Or if they form them, they have to have these long, complicated taxes. And it's just really hard to do that for, you know, workers trying to own a business. And also, like banks that they don't really you know like to give loans to worker co-ops because they're seen as like this um you know this kind of like inefficient or you know just because it's it's non-traditional these banks just don't want to touch them right so in in my ideal anarchist society there would be there would be an easier way to avoid wage labor you you could own like a business with your fellow workers you could um be able to like people have side hustles right now where they you know, they, they make like crafts and shit, right? That would be easier to do because you wouldn't have a state taxing all your income, you know, multiple different things that, that come into that, right? But the idea is that, you know, the, the main source of, of um, the main source of income right now is wage labor. And the argument there is that in this wage labor scenario, you don't own the fruits of all of your labor right we, we're against taxes because the state is taking a fruit of our labor well a a, a person who um it, it does not have your best interest in mind is only looking for their best interests is also taking from your fruits of, fruits of labor as well which you know it, in a voluntary scenario is acceptable but it, it's not the preferred system of most workers and a lot of people would like to avoid that. But right now with the scenario that we have with, you know, massive state power that pr protects corporate capitalism, it, it's almost impossible to do otherwise. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not against worker co-ops. I think those are completely conceivable within a private property uh, economic structure. Uh, I agree with you that there are certain barriers to entry or creating these things. Although some of those barriers are just the generic barriers that exist to all entrepreneurship right now. Um, it's just hard to be a small business in general. Um, so it, it, some of that's unique and maybe some of it's just a, the, the general barriers to entry and over-regulation uh, over of the market that, that the state uh, 
um, uh, engages in through taxation and uh, you know, just regulatory capture and all that. The big businesses like to crowd out all competition. So that's definitely something we agree on that that's being, that's bad. Um, I guess my intuition is that, you know, in a market setting, there's going to be different tools that are better for certain jobs. And I think there's probably certain industries or certain jobs or just things that the market will want that worker co-ops would probably most likely be better at. Um, but then there are probably some other things where they, they might not be better at that a more traditional, uh, you know, employee employer kind of structure. And it, it just kind of depends. Um, it's kind of what my gut feeling is. Uh, but it seems like you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's not because like some left anarchists would say that, you know, wage labor is slavery and theft. And it sounds like you're more saying, well, no, they're not theft and it's not a it's not a moral, but it's not always preferable. And there's especially some things going on in the current, uh, you know, kind of corporatist structure we have where like people aren't really given any other choice realistically. And so it's that lack of choice that makes it a bigger deal. Uh, whereas like, and, and I would agree with you there. Like I, I think in an ANCAP society, there'd be more entrepreneurs and more people who would be, they'd have a lot more options. And not only that, but like they wouldn't be dealing with this constant rising inflation and uh, destruction of the value of the the fiat currency that they're forced to deal with. And and just so that inherently also would mean they wouldn't have to work as many hours uh, and their labor would be worth more than it is currently worth. So I, I think I, like I share those criticisms to a certain degree, as long as they're saying, Hey, like what's going on right now isn't preferable. And in a, 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 a true free market setting, there would be a wider diversity that would be better. And that even, and, and I, you could probably agree in a free market, where where certain businesses kept on to the model of employer employee kind of wage labor uh, setups, they would probably be fairer than they are now. Would that be would that be something you could agree with? Sure, I I would say that. Um, and yeah. I kind of want to dive, dive in like the the nuances of like the semantic, you know, the idea of like capitalism. So what kind of what you're talking about right there is like kind of what I I would be opposed to, right? Like um, one of the definitions of capitalism that goes around. And and there's a there's a list done by C4SS. They do a lot of great work. Um, it, it, it's th this is this is a definition of capitalism that gets thrown around, and, and it is why it, widely accepted by a lot of people. It's rule rule the role of workplaces, society, and if there is one, the state by capitalists. That is by a relatively small number of people who control investable wealth and the means of production. And, and so my idea of like, you know the wage labor scenarios are often you know done by large corporations you know think of like you know like sonic mcdonald's like walmart these massive corporations have really wealthy people at the top and they you know have small workers that don't don't want to make very much right so in in my ideal anarchist society there would be better alternatives to that and a lot of the privileges a lot of the a, a lot of the privileges they get on behalf of like small businesses, you know, like because the state gives them privileges in the market that, you know, keeps small businesses down and keeps them up, that wouldn't exist. And you would be able to have smaller businesses where you might not have to work for a, a small wage and all, you might have a, a better say over, you know, like the conditions you work in, right? And um, stuff like that. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we mostly agree there. You know, I think the only differences we might have is a little bit in the semantics. I, I wouldn't agree with that definition of capitalism, but like I said, I don't, I don't wish to die on the hill of trying to debate the term. There I just, are multiple I find definitions. A, right. I, I just, I, I find myself, it's like, some, I have a love hate relationship with the word. Like I wish there was a better one, but I've yet to come across it because free market just kind of seems a little bit too vague. Like, like all anarchists think that they believe in a free market, even communists. So it's like, that's not specific enough. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the best word I have at the moment. If anyone ever comes up with a better one, I'd use it. Um, so it sounds like economically speaking, we're probably not too far apart. Um, you know, it sounds like you would, you would be against more of a, I mean, like I, when I talk to the the left, like the far left socialists and communists that are anarchists, I, I feel like their ideas are even the ones that aren't tankies, the ones that aren't like advocating for violent ways to get to their perfect, you know, anarcho-communist utopia. I, I feel like their ideas are just fundamentally flawed and sort of unrealistic. They don't really contend with uh, the way that humans and nature work, whereas it sounds like you're kind of more of this kind of in like that left mutualist camp where I, you know, even if we have some slight semantical disagreements or disagreements along the edges that, um, you know, we're both trying to contend with an, like to, to advocate for an economic structure that would comport more with reality and, and that wouldn't rely on some sort of like, we have to use the state to like, you know, push, push this, like, like that, that's like where I kind of draw my line. Like when the left anarchists are like, well, I'm against the state, but, I'm against capitalism more. So we have to use the state to destroy capitalism and then we'll somehow deal with the state later. It's like, well, that, that seems a little, uh, convenient. <laughs> yeah. I, um, speaking of tankies, they don't like me very much, you know, and, and if they, if they hadn't canceled me by now, you know, them seeing me on, on this show with an ANCAP, I would already be canceled anyways. Yeah, um, I mean, so. I, I almost feel like mutualists are the true left anarchists and the an, well, the tanky ANCOMs and stuff are are, are just confused. Um, well, I, I, would say, I would say a lot of actual ANCOMs or like libertarian socialists aren't tankies. The ones, the ones that you see that are, you know, um, shilling for the regimes of like China and North Korea, those aren't ANCOMs. They're just... They're just Marxist-Leninists. They're just tankies. Um, and and, and in, in a lot of like left, left libertarian spaces, you know, even libertarian social spaces, those people aren't welcome. Like there's a group on my campus that was um, originally a YDSA chapter, but, not, but now they're kind of rebranding themselves. And I go, to, I go to some of their meetings sometimes just to kind of like, you know, have, have a good faith discussion. And they, they hate tankies. They're like, you know, they consider themselves to be, a lot of them are ANCOMs. A lot of them are lip socks and, and they, you know, they hate tankies. But um, as to your, um, we, we do agree a lot on, on markets and I, I get in trouble with a lot of lip socks because I'm a big fan of markets. I think it's, it's the best way to arrange economically that we have tried. Um, it's, it's the best way to voluntarily associate, you know, and, and mutually um, engage in contract with each other. Um, markets are a good thing and I think they should be free. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, moving off the economic, I guess we'll I guess there's two more two more areas where I want to kind of go over our, you know, sort of like agreements and disagreements. I guess um, I guess we should touch on on borders a little bit. I saw your shirt, abolish ice. Now, I, I'm a little bit so 
the, the anarcho capitalist or, or right anarchist camp is a little bit it's divided into two sub camps because, uh, and I find myself more on the camp of the open borders. And so I actually side with a lot of left anarchists more on this. And there are plenty of right anarchists that are, you know, pretty staunchly for, for uh, open borders. Um, but, but I also feel like I have to, at least for the purpose of conversation here, try to steel man and represent my uh, fellow right anarchists who are not so keen on uh, open borders. And so I'm going to put that hat on uh, 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 metaphorically here and, and, and the sort wor- of try the to... Worst kind of hat. The worst kind of hat. <laughs> um, but it's like I, I, I share their concerns. I, I just feel like we... Like, like basically to sum it up is that a lot of the right anarchists who are concerned about borders, it's like I don't think that their points are necessarily invalid because at the end of the day, it's like I'm not really for open borders. I'm for the abolition of state borders, and I think the only legitimate borders would be those that are constructed by like the borders of your private property. That's the only legitimate border in my anarchist framework. Um you know, state borders are always illegitimate. I don't really advocate for open borders in the sense of like, I don't really advocate for the state. But while the state exists, I'm, I'm, I'm faced with, okay, well, while the state is enforcing a border, what is the situation I could advocate for that is the least damaging to human life and liberty? And when I look at it from that framework, I feel as though open borders is a what's the right word here is is the least bad option i guess uh i i I think there are some concerns though with open borders that left anarchists tend to i think wash away that i'm sympathetic to um so maybe we could at least get into that it's like I, i i and again it's like i don't these concerns don't sway me into advocating for uh closed borders but they they at least make me go well there's it, it's a complicated equation that i can respectfully agree to disagree with my uh my uh companions i guess and be like well i i i disagree with you but i can see where you're coming from um i i guess like the biggest thing that 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 would come up and it's not even so like, like the, let's just eliminate the cliche one uh, the whole like, well, you can have wealth, a welfare state or open borders, but you can't have both is a silly argument. And I, I can't even try to pretend to have that stance because to me, it's it's silly. Um, actually, it's kind of like it's 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 almost 100 percent wrong because the welfare state couldn't survive open borders. And that's almost an argument as to why even the Democrats will never open the borders. What's funny is I used to be a a Bernie Sanders supporter. I wasn't always on the right. I did come from the left. So that's kind of why I'm able to sort of see both sides. Uh, but, you know, I was never, you know, Bernie Sanders and other left people, they're ne- they've never always been super open borders. A lot of them have paid lip service to like the, oh, we need borders and reasonable restrictions, but we just shouldn't lock people up in cages and stuff like that. But, but a lot of them, you know, even if they now, like during the, the Trump years, they were very, critical of Trump, but now we've kind of seen a lot of them have had to kind of full turn full circle and sort of like be proponents of borders in a sense, because they know, oh, well, if we actually had open borders, the welfare state would pretty much have to like cease to exist. Like they can't exist at the same time. 
But that's not an argument against open borders. That's actually more of an argument for open borders. It's like, if you want the welfare state to end, open the borders up or try to, but you'll probably fail because they won't let you do that. Um, we, we would probably agree there, I would imagine. Um, to, to a large extent, um, I'm reminded of that, that, that Bernie example, the, the, the Bernie Sanders example that you gave. I'm reminded of that one interview he had with, with I think it was MSNBC or something like that, where he was asked about you know, whether he supports open borders. And he goes, open borders? No, that's a, that's a Koch brothers position, you know? Right, yeah. Um, I, very, <laughs> right, very, yeah. Very cringe Bernie Sanders, obviously. Um, right. But, but as yeah. far as, you know, I, I know what you're talking about. There's a sect of uh, right libertarians or, or right anarchists who would um, assert the idea of, of private borders, whatever, you know. That, that can mean different things to different people. Um, the, like I said, I would be an advocate yeah. for private borders, but it's yeah. like, but we don't have that now. So what right. do we do? <laughs> and, and so for me, there's there's two different things that can happen, right? Either either every single bit of land in the U.S. or along the U.S. border, right, or or both U.S. borders, right, even with Canada, is is privately owned, and so therefore each person would need permission from the private person to to go cross that person's property, or there would be parts of the border that get left unowned and people can walk across it. Right. That, that last scenario I think is great. Love that scenario. Right. But in the, in the scenario where, where all of the border is privately owned and like you, you can't like get into the U S without like permission from this guy. Right. Like if I want, if I'm in Mexico, right. And I want to go see my friend in like Arizona. Right. And I have to cross someone else's house to get there or someone else's property to get there, right? Like, I, I, I believe in the, in the freedom of movement, just like any good libertarian should. And I don't think that that person in the middle has a right to say, you can't come here, right? I'm not saying that this person going to Arizona can go into this person's house, right, to get there. I'm not saying he can go, like, through, like, this the, a fenced-off area to get there. But, like, let's say this person owns, like, a wooded area and is not using it at all. Who is he to say no, you can't go through this open field that I own that I'm not using to go see your friend. If you do, I'll shoot you, right? I, I don't think that's, that's any good. And I'll, I'll end this part with this because I, um, I pulled this from the, the LP platform from 1978. It, it's a good quote. It's part of it. We further hold that the owners of property have the full right to control, use, dispose of, or in any manner enjoy their property without interference until and unless the exercise of their control infringes the valid rights of others. Now, I would argue as long as other pro-immigration or pro-open borders libertarians would argue is that like you, you telling that person you can't cross this open field would be infringing on that person's right to freely travel to his friend in Arizona, you know? Okay, so I disagree with you, but there's a way I'm going to circle back around to where I will kind of be in agreement with you. So it's kind of like a little bit of both. Um, I don't think that people have an inherent right to travel. I don't think that's that's not the way I would conceive of what we're getting at. I think that people have a right to not be trapped or in car. But basically, it's like you have a right to not have. It always comes down to like you have a right to your body, and you have a right to not be aggressed against. It's like I only believe in negative rights. So I'm always careful to like, I don't want to ever accidentally advocate for a positive right. And the idea of me saying that people have a right to the freedom of movement is in a way kind of a slippery slope into a positive right. 
but what I would say is that people have a right to not be um, entrapped. You can't tell somebody, stay here, and if you move in any direction, like, I'll kill you. <laughs> or, like, you're not allowed to leave, and, and, and you construct barriers around them. Um, and insofar as that's true, someone can use private property for aggression. And this is something that ANCAP sometimes, you know, don't realize, I think. Or, like, they do, but, like, they forget about it in certain areas. Like, you can legitimately own a gun. But if you use that gun to shoot somebody, that's not protected by your private property rights. You've like you've clearly committed aggression against somebody with your private property. I would argue that the same applies for not trapping people. Like you, you have a right to private property, but if you purposely use your private property to entrap someone to a point where if you tell them if you take any step in you know these different ways. I'm going to shoot you or or initiate some kind of aggression against you or extort you, that is a problem. That is actually an an initiation of aggression. Yeah. As long as that, that person isn't as long as that person isn't posing a threat to, to the person that owns the property. Right. Right. As right. Long, exactly. As long as yeah. he's not he's not like threatening to like go into their home or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I guess I guess you could say like if somebody was uh going or if we had like an axe murderer in our town and we decided to trap him that would that would probably be justified because he was going around hurting people and we're using our private property in defensive aggression not not initiating aggression but assuming the person's just innocently minding their own business if if we come around and like how we've you know legitimately acquired all the property around you around your house and now if you take one step off your property onto any of ours we're going to shoot you like yeah you've you've created a hostage situation in my mind and that is a violation of, of somebody's rights. The solution to that isn't that there's a problem with private property. Rather, I think the solution is that the, the kind of scenario you described where like the border is all privately owned and people can't pass is in my mind unrealistic because the market is uh, works through incentives, right? There is going to be somebody, probably a lot of somebody's on that long stretch of border who are, even if they're selfish, right? Like I'm not even trying to plead to, I'm not trying to make some kind of like plea to human goodwill. I don't even have to do that. I can just plead to human selfishness. Somebody can go, well, I can just be a selfish a-hole and not let this person cross. Or what if I, I don't know, like just, just charge them a small fee, work out a contract with them where we're mutually benefiting, where it's like, you want to come and go from, from this side to this side? All right, well, let's work out a contract where it's it's mutually beneficial to the two of us. Somebody might even go. There's probably even going to be some people though who would just say, "Oh, just free travel." Like I created this little walkway where people can just freely come and just stay on the walkway, and you're fine. But then, like those might be like, okay, well, that the free one is five miles down the road, and the one that charges me, you know, point oh five Bitcoin is two miles down the road. I'll I'll, I'll pay the little bit to 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 not be inconvenienced to travel further. And so this is the way the market would solve the problem. And it's not through an assertion of a positive right to freely travel anywhere without restriction. Rather, like there are restrictions, but they're natural market restrictions. And because they're through the market, they're not going to be unduly uh, restrictive in a way that would violate someone's right to not be entrapped. If that ever happened, you would, like, I guess you would, because you cannot initiate aggression against somebody, there would be – if something happened where it's like you acquired property, but your property has now entrapped somebody, uh, 
you, you would have some kind of moral obligation to that person to uh, work out through some kind of contract their ability to leave their property. Because otherwise, you, you would be holding them hostage in my, in my mind. So it's a little slippery. Some ANCAPs disagree with me on this because they think I'm creating a positive right through a lot of different st- – like like but with a lot of steps in there. It's like I don't think I am. I think it's just the basic – uh agreement that all libertarians and anarchists have that you you know it's wrong to initiate aggression against somebody and you know people like if people aren't allowed to leave their homes that's to me aggression that makes sense yeah that makes sense and i think a lot of what gets missed in this debate between like private borders and open borders is like a a lot of people that are going to be crossing the border are not going to be crossing by land they're just going to fly that's like you can't really You know, you're going to fly. You, you it, it, entering people's private property isn't really that much of an issue there anymore. And but I, I own that, the air. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> I also think that a lot of the the roads will not be privately owned. I think a lot of it will be not publicly owned in the sense that like the state owns it, but like just people use it and like it's you know well, it's just like some... common common understanding that like people can like use the roads, like not like it's. You know what I mean? Maybe I, I like probably maybe like pre-existing roads in small communities yeah. and stuff would just be like nobody feels a need to regulate it because it's not a big deal. In more urban environments, I feel like most roads would be owned, uh, but some might be free to use. Like I said, some churches or um, you know charitable organizations or whatever might have like r- roads that are sponsored through just like donation or just to be like, hey, like this road is free to use. Now those roads might not be always accessible and they might not always be as well maintained so like people just have choices right it's like well do i travel farther for the free road that's bumpy or do i pay for the toll road that's you know closer and it's smoother with uh you know uh, well better painted lines and and things like that and and this is the way i think the that the market kind of solves that problem um but but it, the problem we're still de- dealing with is what do we do in the here and now while the state exists? And I, I don't know. It's like th- this This probably is a good segue into the other disagreement because I feel like a lot of the issues uh, – like when, when, when right anarchists criticize open borders for economic reasons, I think they're wrong. Um, but when they criticize it for the cultural reasons is where I'm a bit more sympathetic and – there's a there's a whole other side to this right versus left we haven't gotten into, which is kind of like cultural. Um, and, and this is where it gets messy because there are some people who call themselves right anarchists, but they wouldn't really classify themselves as culturally right leaning. And so it, that's where it gets a little bit messy, whereas like I, I'm kind of like both. I'm like right leaning economically, but I'm also like a I would classify or label myself as a conservative Christian. Um, so my religious beliefs lead me to have very conservative views on uh, marriage, sex, gender, uh, and and just like the, the right way to live a happy life, I guess. Um, now, I'm an anarchist, so I don't believe in imposing any of that through legislation, obviously. Um, you know, I'm happy to live next door to, a, you know, a gay couple. <laughs> like, it doesn't hurt me. I don't care. It's just not what my... Hoppa would not be happy with you. <laughs> no, some some of the Hoppians aren't happy with me. Uh, I don't care. Some of my some of my best friends are 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 gay, but it's like I don't 
agree with their lifestyle from a, a religious sense, but it's like, but you're not hurting me. It, it, to me, I view it the same way as like an atheist. Like I probably view uh, someone in a gay relationship the way an atheist views my Christianity. It's like, well, I just, I don't agree with you. I don't believe it. I don't believe that's the right way to live, but I don't care. Do what you want. Like that's kind of like my attitude. It's a, a live and let, let live kind of thing. But, um, but, but yeah, that's, that's an area where I get a lot of, I think that's where I get more pushback than anything. Like there's the economic differences between anarchists, but a lot of times I feel like I get a lot of shit from libertarians and anarchists more for being a social conservative than I do for any of the other, other things. Um, and you know, there's, there's, there's not obviously going to be a way that we completely reconcile everything. We're always going to have disagreements. I would like there to be just a, I don't know, like a truce to be like, you live the way you want to live and I'll live the way I want to live. But I, I, sometimes I get the feeling that some left anarchists feel like that's not possible or that an anarchist cannot be someone with conservative social views or, or, or religious views that, that I have. So, um, so yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um, real quick, I just wanted to finally touch up on like the property thing. There's an essay oh, in sure. this book, essay in this book called "A Plea for Public Property" by Roderick Long. It's a really good essay. I think you know you, you can look it up online. It, it's free online. A lot of these essays from this book are are able to be uh, you know found online at C4SS. Um, but yeah, cult, cultural issues are definitely important. I think a, a lot of it is. I think the cultural issues are kind of the biggest obstacle in a- obtaining bottom immunity, which is what I, I seek to obtain. Um, because you yeah. know we can easily we can easily find disagreement on economics, and you know okay you know we'll set that aside. Let's focus on you know state oppression right now, and then we can hammer on economics later. Right? That that's easy to do for at least for me, anyways. But yeah, me too. Why well, even but, believe in a sort of panarchy where I think true anarchy is not going to have one economic organization that stretches from you know sea to sea you know what i mean different communities and areas will probably organize a little bit differently and it's, it's okay if it's voluntary uh i don't really care exactly yeah um and but i do think even going back on immigration right i think a lot of people who are you know in favor of immigration restrictions even those who might consider themselves either libertarian leading or even just libertarians would, would oppose um, open borders or would, you know, be in favor of immigration restrictions for like cultural reasons, you know, like people like Lou Rockwell, who would, you know, oppose open borders because, you know, he doesn't like demographic change. Right. It's sort of that sort of thing, you know, sure. and I, I think that that's kind of more hard to kind of, uh, kind of find agreement on there because one don't really care much about demographic change. And two, I'm a big fan of open borders. As I think most libertarian, most good libertarians should be in favor of, or at least le- less immigration restriction, even if you're not an anarchist. Um, but sure. but yeah, cultural issues are definitely where I think we would find disagreements on. And, and even going back to the hierarchies, right? Left libertarians, left anarchists, you know, even libertarian socialists, anar- uh, anarcho-communists, they would view a lot of these cultural issues as unjust hierarchies, and so th- by extension, they would seek to abolish these as well. So that that might be where a lot of our disagreements would come from as well. Sure. 
Yeah, the demographic change is a you know like I, so like personally, I don't care. I've I I grew up in all all black churches and in Baltimore, <laughs> so it, I I'm actually kind of used to being a my. I, I was actually, I grew, grew up feeling almost like a minority. I was a white Jew going to all black churches and stuff in Baltimore. I was, I was a bit of a minority myself. Um, but, uh, so I don't really care about demographics, but I, I understand the, the right libertarian concern, which is that if you have a state that is not just has open borders, but that it's like through various forces, like incentivizing uh, different cultures and groups of people from other countries to come in and to come in too quickly, that that can be very destabilizing. And it's not a free market thing when that happens. Like it's one thing when people are just freely moving around in an actual free market setting where there's not this outside force acting. But when like the open borders creates a dilemma where it's not natural, it's it's still the state monopoly over who gets to come and go. And there are incentives acting upon that there are things even tangentially related, but that aren't the border issue, like the war on drugs and our foreign policy, causing a lot of destabilization across the globe. Even in, and a lot, a lot of libertarians know a lot about the Middle East, but don't read a lot about how how much like the CIA and and, and other American institutions have have really interfered in uh, South American countries uh, and, and stuff, and the war on drugs being the most you know obvious one in ways that have destabilized. Uh, these regions and so and then you have the welfare state and and just like the the idea of like american exceptionalism i guess that uh a lot of people around the world still believe in and so people are concerned well if you have this open borders and the incentives that are drawing people in you're creating a destabilizing effect where uh there is something i think that's important about cultural um what's the word like um I'm feeling it's like an H word, like uh, homogeny. Yeah, homogeny. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think there's something important about that. I don't think it that the culture should be based around skin color or or anything silly like that. But at the same time, it has to be based on something, and it has to be arrived at naturally. I don't think you can just chaotically throw a bunch of different cultures and people uh, together and expect that there's not going to be negative consequences from that sort of like, like I think it's so like Tom Woods and Hoppe and Lou, Lou Rockwell use the term forced integration, which I think is not right. I, I understand what they're trying to address, but it's not forced. It's artificial. It's not free market. It's like this weird hybrid of maybe a little bit of people doing what they want to do, but there's still a lot of statism mixed in kind of like corporations like on the surface they can seem like they're free market entities because they're businesses but it's like eh, you peel back the layers and it's there's a lot of state intervention mixed in with that so kind of it's kind of a good analogy that like corporations are really not free markets open borders especially like our current open border system is really not free market either now i still side on that because even viewing those problems, I just view it as, okay, that's a problem, but it's a better problem to deal with than we close the borders, which A, ends up like we're pointing guns at people, we're locking people in cages. Also, the flip side of that, what if I want to leave? <laughs> like that, That's a big problem too. 
So uh, for me, it's just a calculation. It's like, okay, well, they both suck, but uh, this one sucks less. But but uh, but I still think there are there are problems, and and some of that has to do with that cultural analysis that I think some left anarchists don't really uh, contend with. What are your thoughts? So there was one thing you said in there about like you know the, this cultural change and you know even demographic change has to come about naturally, in, in which I, I would agree. Like yeah, it has to come about, about naturally. I, I would think like this this you know this movement of people you know people wanting to move somewhere that is that's natural you know like that's people naturally move like humans originally were were nomads right uh, a lot of the indigenous tribes were nomads so we want to move that's 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 natural um i, I think there there obviously i i disagree with the idea of like state property right and, and so i think that a lot of the immigration sit you know, a lot of the problems with our immigration system right now is because of the fact that like it's it's done by the state and you have yeah. to get permission from the state to come across. And then also the state will incentivize certain people to come over. Right. You know, it's, it's relatively hard to cross the border illegally or cross the border legally if you either a don't have, um, you know, a family member that lives here, you know, like a spouse or like a cousin or whatever, or b you don't you you know, you don't have a lot of money. Right. You either have to have one or two of those things are both to be able to even qualify to come here legally. And, and, and so I think that is, that is a big issue with the, you know, the state enforced, uh, you know, immigration system, right. Whether you're, whether you're bringing in large numbers of those people or not. Um, I just think we should let people come here as, as long as they, you know, they're, they're peaceful people. They, you know, while the state exists, right. Have a, you know, relatively quick and easy background check, like Ellis Island, for example, that was a better system than what we have now. Yeah, I, I, think I, I would even, agree with you. Yeah, yeah we, I, we can I, even get status to hop on board with that too, right? So you know, yeah, if people want to want to move here and work here, and you know, contribute to our society, then like let them, regardless of whether they, you know, have a different political opinion than you do, or whether they, you know, look different than you do. You know, I, I agree, and so like this is where I diverge from my my right anarchist friends, where it's like, yes, I see your problems, but. It's just to me, it's more consistent to just say, yeah, there's problems, but at the end of the day, it's worse to give the state the power to control who comes and goes than it is to say, let people come and go. And yeah, the incentive structures and the state mixture because it controls it still at the end of the day is bad, but we'd have to keep pushing to eliminate that and privatize it as much as we can. Um, and, and at the end of the day, there's some. Um, I forget where I was going with that. Um, but, but at the end of the day, I think the economic benefits of, of allowing more freedom of movement will trump the maybe like short-term cultural pains. Cause I think, I think it is more of a short-term problem. Like, yeah, if you throw a bunch of, you know, like new people into an area that can create a, from like the resident people, a feeling of, oh, there's foreigners coming in here and it can cause a little bit of instability, but I don't think it's a permanent problem. That's just a a general fear of the unknown and a uh, uh, you know short term problem that can be overcome. Uh, we just have to you know try try to create a culture that is good at assimilating people and assimilating towards towards a a, a sort of I guess like meta culture that we can all be uh, a, a part of, even if we have our own 
disparate subcultures uh, within that. Uh, that's my vision, at least. But it's just, you know, I, I guess it's like I'm always aware that there's going to be people that disagree with my worldview. Like, I mean, like I grew up a Christian and I've always had to contend with the fact that there's a lot of people who aren't Christian, who don't believe in the same things that I believe in. Um, I, I don't get that kind of reciprocity very often from the left. I'm not saying never, but not often. And, and even like, sometimes like what do you, when I do, what do, you do that? so it's like, if I say I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that, uh, and then the Holy Spirit has filled me and that I'm, uh, I'm a new creation uh, b- because of that, and, and that I pray to God and I feel like I receive prayer uh, answers and revelations throughout my life experiences, somebody who is not a Christian will look at that and go, well, I, I just don't believe in any of that. But hey, you're not hurting anyone, so go do whatever you want. And I've learned to live with that. When I when I meet people of uh, different faiths, even I, I've learned to live with that. Like, oh, you believe in a different religion, or you're you're an atheist, or you're just agnostic. You don't know what you believe. I've just learned to be respectful that people have different belief systems and different cultural views. I, I don't often feel that reciprocity back though from people on the left because it's like if I don't share their views on, let's say, the abolition of of gender norms or like I don't want I don't feel compelled to celebrate uh things about our culture pertaining to sex, whether it's, you know, uh polygamy or homosexuality or 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 whatever. It's like it, again, like these aren't things I want to legislate, but they're just they're not things that fit into my cultural view. So they're not things I participate in or or celebrate. Um it, it's just like I don't know. Like, I don't feel that reciprocity. It's like, I, I, I've, I've, I've had it, you know, like there are people out there that get triggered over the celebration of Christmas and it's like, watch well, religious. And we have to do like a lot of libertarians do festivists and stuff. It's like, so like, why do it's like, I want to be catering towards different belief systems, but like, it just, there needs to be that reciprocation where it's like, people are allowed to disagree with different you know, worldviews and ideologies. Of course, now that gets that gets me in trouble too, because there's some left anarchists that just, I think the, the the ones that are just more determined to, I think, like hate me and pick fights with me, who say, well, gender abolition isn't just an ideology; it's part of science. It's like, well, I I don't know. That's that's a whole muddy thing there, and that could almost be a whole podcast. But it's like, that, that, to be fair, I try to be respectful and. Uh, here's a good example. I use transgendered people. Uh, I use their pronouns. I don't do it because I share their beliefs. I do it just out of common courtesy in the same way that I kind of expect an atheist to like, if I'm out in public and I'm praying over my food before I eat, I kind of expect the common courtesy that the atheist isn't going to run up to me and go, your God isn't real. You know what I mean? Like, so in, in the same way, I, I try to like, just live by that rule of like, I'm just not going to be a dick. I'm just going to like, you know, if, if somebody's doing something that I don't share their belief in, but they're not hurting anybody, I don't really give it any mind space, but it feels like in libertarian circles, there's a lot of people who have this left cultural preference and they want to universalize that. They want everybody in our space, both whether it's the just like broadly people who call themselves anarchists or it's within the LP or whatever they want that left culture to be the universal culture everybody shares 
And I feel like that's a lot of what causes the divides, both just in the philosophical region, but then also the divides we see within like the movement here uh, in our country. So, and society. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think there's a way we can, uh, again, like we're not going to have the same beliefs, but is there a way that we can share the same space and agree to disagree on these cultural issues and not like, I don't want to like, you know, I'm with Spike Cohen on this. I had him on my podcast a couple weeks ago. Like, uh, let's stop fighting these dumb culture wars. Let's just focus on fighting the state. But if we're going to stop fighting the culture wars and fight the state, then we like that means like there will be some people with cultural views in liberty circles that are contra- counter to yours. And I don't get the feeling that everybody on the left side of the aisle is okay with that. Sure. Um, I, I I think we're going to have probably a lot of disagreement on, on this particular issue. Um, I think that again there are certain cultural differences that we can you know we we can just say agree to disagree and move on but like i think there are, there are some where like it, i i you know these are like really really important issues to like a lot of people right like i so for example like the way you describe like you know you would have different like beliefs than the you know the the non-binary person or like the gay person right like i I, I think it's more than just a difference of belief. Like these people have like certain identities that are like inherent to them as like individuals that like, if you know, you, you don't like respect that, like to them or like, you know, if you don't see them as that, like that would just inherently be, you know, disrespectful to them. I mean, I'm sure you could find a way to agree to disagree, you know, like for example, the, 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 the platform plank in the LP for abortion, right. It's, you know, you can be pro-life or pro-choice. It's just as long as you don't want to use the state to enforce it, right? Like you can't support, you know, one way or the other, like a, a you know, either, either state-funded abortion or a restriction on abortion. Either way, that's not libertarian. And I think that would be a good place to, to go from. I'm completely right? like on board can, with that, by the way. You, you can either, like, I would 100% disagree with you. We, we will, I, I will, like... You know, if if you have that belief where you don't think that a homosexual person is like, you know, living a good lifestyle or like if you don't think the non-binary person is who they are, like I'm going to obviously disagree with you. But as long as you aren't going to use the state to force them to be the a gender they don't identify with or, you know, as, as long as you aren't going to, you know, let the state discriminate against these people then I think we can find some common ground there. But obviously, like, I'm, I'm not going to stay quiet. You know, if you if if these culturally right anarchists or, or libertarians like want to have a, you know, a reactionary belief, um, obviously, you know, my Twitter is a great example. I'm not going to keep quiet about it. I'm going to say something. Would but... you classify my beliefs as inherently reactionary? N- not you specifically. I wouldn't say okay. so. I mean, you have I, really... I, I, they don't they don't really feel reactionary to me. They just don't really comport to my my worldview. And you know, it's like I, I I like to respect all people. And I mean, insofar as I'm being respected by somebody, I try to show mutual respect. Even when people are a jerk to me, I try to rise above it. You know, Jesus told us to turn the other cheek in the Bible. And insofar as I'm capable of being patient and uh, 
like shaking off when people are rude to me. I, uh, I, I try to do so. Um, but there's something about like, I, I don't think respecting a person as a person and respecting their rights means respecting or like, like agreeing with their perspective on all things, even on things on identity. I mean, certainly an atheist is going to reject certain things that are, you know, that I would define as paramount to my identity. I mean, you know, like to me, Christianity isn't just like, oh, I go to church on Sundays because I like the songs. Like I, I, I'm a Christian because I, I identify myself as a child of God. I believe that I have a, a personal relationship with Jesus as my savior and that I've been, you know, like, like the Christian um, theological description of this is that like, that we are born again in Christ. Like, and that is our identity that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So that is part of my identity. And to some extent, if somebody doesn't hold my Christian faith, they are disagreeing with, like they're saying that part of how I identify identify myself, at least to them, they don't validate. And I, I have to live with that. Um, and certainly I would expect or hope that people can disagree with my beliefs without like, okay, we don't need to uh, be rude to each other. We should be courteous. We should, you know, be good neighbors. We should, you know, like I have no problem. Like I said, I have no problem living next to a gay couple or working with them. I mean, I work with gay people within the LP, even and some people might think I'm making it up, but there's gay and trans people within the Mises caucus that I work with. It's like, I don't care. Like they're still people. I don't view them as less human than, than anybody else. I just don't share uh, either certain preferences or beliefs with them. And to me, it just seems like that's accepted that we can agree to disagree with people's beliefs on X, Y, and Z. But then on the left, it's like, but you're not allowed to disagree on A, B, and C. And I don't see the consistency there. Um, so that, that, that's where I'm at. And again, it's not out of, it's not out of prejudice. It's not out of being reactionary. It's just, those are my, I mean, I, I would imagine that in the same way that I feel about my beliefs is probably how a, a uh, person who believes that they are transgender believes that they're transgender. So like, I can like, I can like uh, empathetically put myself in their shoes and go, you know, well, yeah, like if, if that's what they believe and they believe what they believe in the same way that I strongly believe what I believe, well, like, I'm not going to like be a dick about it. Like, you know, we'll just, we have different beliefs in, in, in some, in some regard, it's like, isn't that to be expected? Like, are we all like, I don't think we're all going to hold the same beliefs when it comes to things that are a bit more subjective or metaphysical, I guess, like the, the nature of being and consciousness and, and meaning, like, these are things that are more personal and subjective. Uh, they're not required in a sense of like, uh, at the very least, like, they're not required to be an anarchist or a libertarian, in my view. Um. So while... I found a, a, a definition of reactionary and hopefully maybe we can, you know, hammer this out and maybe find a working one. Um, but this is um, reactionary refers to a strongly traditionalist political perspective of the person who is opposed to social, political and economic change. So like, would you say that you are opposed to, you know, like you, you have a traditionalist perspective and you oppose social, political or, or economic change? I mean, compared to what? I mean, it's just kind of, 
it it, it to me it's sort of uh it, it's very vague it's like compared to what i mean uh I, probably probably 150 years ago i would have been viewed as a radical progressive for being an abolitionist against slavery you know what i mean uh like I, i'm not against change if change is necessary but it's like compared to what like not all change is intrinsically good not all change is progress um so i mean as an anarchist i kind of consider myself for the advancement of social and political change in a way that i view as positive and beneficial for human society but i have religious views that cause me to have different beliefs about things that are pertaining to human life and and identity than people who don't share my religious sentiments and so it's like it's it, i don't know if i would really classify them as re reactionary in, in in the way that you're you're using that like to me a reactionary is somebody who is almost unprincipled who goes anytime somebody's trying to change the status quo i'm against it it's not what i'm doing i'm, I'm not against changing the status quo you know what I mean? Like if, if there's things about the status quo that are bad, let's change them. But it doesn't mean that I will just automatically, like, you know, it doesn't mean that one has to automatically be the opposite of that and be in favor of every proposed change. Right. You know what I mean? It's so that, that that's my thoughts. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. And I think a, a lot of change wouldn't just because something is changed doesn't mean it's good, you know, I, I can kind of agree with you there. I think it's just a matter of like what kind of change, you know, like, um, like, like reactionaries would be against something like, you know, uh, uh, you know, trans people being more accepted or like, you know, uh, LGBT people in general being more accepted. Like, uh, I think it just say, depends say, what you mean by accepted. I mean, right. If, right if okay. I... So, so, so right now there is legally a way in which um, like adoption centers in Mississippi can discriminate against people on the basis of their sexuality. Like if a, well, if a person, okay. if a person who is like going to certify an adoption sees the person, sees the couple as like a gay couple, they can legally say, no, you can't adopt this, this baby or this child or this young adult because they, I don't agree they, with your lifestyle. Are they private entities or are they state entities? any entities you know it's it's based on like a a religious a religious freedom exemption so any any worker who is you know working so at an adoption center i would be against a state law that forced private entities to discriminate against a gay couple or a trans couple or or, or individual i'm okay with private entities setting their own like if there's a private adoption agency and we live in an anarchist society if they want to privately choose that we're not going to like, you know, our like, like every, like, so discrimination is inherently part of, of, of any business. Like you're going to set rules and parameters about who you do and don't do business with and what you, you know, what qualifications you look for in people you hire or work with. And so an adoption agency is inherently discriminatory because they're not just going to hand out it's not like hey form a line every person gets a kid they're going to screen people and they're going to have some kind of list of qualifications they're looking for in potential uh parents every place is going to have you know maybe some things that are hopefully overlapping like you know like uh you know we would you know uh, you're not a criminal you're not a rapist you're not a you know like you know what i mean you're you're, you're able to care for yourself like things that are common 
But then there's going to be some qualifications that will vary between place to place, I would imagine. Some places might say, oh, we want your income to be at this level. And other places might have an income requirement that's lower or higher than other ones. Um, and some, and some, if they're religious or whatever, might have, uh, you know, other qualifications. But uh, if it's all voluntary, I don't think it's anti-libertarian or anti-anarchist. Um, yeah, in an anarchist society, I would say there's not really much that would like legally, because there wouldn't really be many laws that would like right. stop this adoption agency from like discriminating on the basis of like sexuality. But I would say that like I, along with uh, with you know a lot of other left libertarians, left anarchists, even right libertarians, right anarchists would you know boycott the shit out of this adoption agency because it's you know inherently immoral to deny sure. someone I the mean, right to adopt because of of the you know the their their sexual orientation that you might personally disagree with. So like like no, yeah I mean, like you, like you use the market against them. You can you can do that. I mean I I I would personally think it's a waste of time. I just think it's you know, you can boycott it all you want. I don't think that'll make it go away, but I mean, I bet you're free to do so. Um, at the end of the day, it's like, um, there are going to be, there are people out there who think that, uh, a transgender, uh, couple or homosexual couple shouldn't have kids. There are people out there that think that it's wrong for me as a Christian to like, they, they would prefer me not to have kids who I raised to be Christian. So that's that's discriminatory in some sense. People that like they 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 like oh, I hope you don't raise your kids with your beliefs and stuff. It's like, well, again, like so we're all going to have cultural preferences and beliefs and we all think we're right. You know what I mean? It's like there's no there's no objective uh principle we can, you know, judge your cultural views and my cultural views and say which one is right. They're inherently subjective there's nothing we can appeal to if it's all voluntary and no one's initiating any type of coercion so to me it's like you know we can either you know i, I my hope would be in an anarchist society that the culture wars would would die out and that people just you know have have conversations and you know maybe try to persuade people of their point of view but if they can't they just agree to disagree and they don't take it personal now i'm not ignorant to the fact that certain minority groups are have been historically and even today are discriminated against uh in certain you know states uh in ways that are codified by law and insofar as i'm an anarchist i'm against all that i'm i'm, I'm pro-life but i'm against the texas ban on abortion uh you know what i mean so it's like it's it, you know anytime it's we're talking about codifying things into law i'm 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 gonna be firmly on your side um, but there's just a difference between like, I would hope for the reciprocity of like, if the state was passing mandates that were keeping me from practicing my religion, I would hope that you would fight for my right to practice my religion. In that same sense, I fight for an LGBT, uh, or, or GSM individual to practice their lifestyle, um, however they want, so long as they're not hurting anybody. Um, I actually view them as more of like the way I psychologically conceptualize it is just that they're almost a different religion they have their own cultural preferences and views and beliefs about human life and 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 identity uh that that's not a religion in the same way but it kind of is an ideology that's close to that so uh you know i have to fight for their rights to live their lives according to their conscience if i want the right for me to live my life uh according to my own conscience 
Um, so that that's what I hope we can we can foster. But and I won't say there's nobody on the right who's against that. There's people on the right who uh, want to fight the culture wars too. But it's like I don't know. Like maybe we could at least save that for when we can like. Maybe when there's no more bombs being dropped in Yemen and and we don't have the world's biggest prison population, you know, and like, you know, all the actual like really evil shit that's going on in the world. Like maybe we could focus on the evil shit going on in the world where people are being killed and tortured and locked up before we get back into debating over, you know, what gender is and, you know, if if it's wrong for people to have certain religious beliefs. It just seems like why would you make that your priority? It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I, I can I can sort of sympathize with that. I don't know I don't know how much time you have left. Are, are we good? How much longer do you think we can go with this? Um, we'll try to. I don't know. We, we, let's um, you know, I do have to go here soon, so let's try okay. to. I mean, let's kind of like try to take the next five minutes to maybe wrap up this portion of the conversation, sure. and then we'll kind of close out after that. Well, one of the things that I wanted to to really get across throughout this whole like you know episode is that like I think that left libertarians and right libertarians should unite on the issues that we that we agree on, and I think that you know and, and I I've only been a left libertarian for about six months now or, or or less even just like you know reading about it and stuff like that with the general philosophy it just makes a lot more sense to me, um, but I, I think that the a, a lot of the history of like the libertarian movement and the party is like you know has a lot of like influence from like left libertarian thought like even like you know some of like the platform plank from the original you know like platforms like that was you know they, they have a lot more um you know positions that i would say fall more in line with like a, a left libertarian position like you know left libertarian in the sense of like market anarchists right um then say like a right libertarian perspective um i would disagree with and, you slightly and, and, but and, and i think that like today you know the libertarian party and like the american libertarian movement is seen as this like right wing thing where e even some i i see a lot of libertarians online and, and even in person at these events say you can't be a libertarian and be left -wing. you can't be a libertarian and be a be a socialist even and, and that's just like objectively not true and there are like platform planks from and, and you know i i even if, if you're okay with it, like I, I want to read some of these and like see if you maybe agree with them, but you can feel free to respond to what I said uh, before that. Well, I was going to say, I mean, like I, I, I don't entirely disagree with you, although I think also the original libertarian platform was pretty explicitly, you know, on the, on the capitalist private property side and, and, and not, and not socialist, at least economically speaking, it wasn't for a collective ownership of the means of production and, and and whatnot um but I, that's, agree that was my only that was my only distinction i wanted to make but go go ahead and read the planks okay so I, i'll just read two or three real quick and then you know we can uh you know just kind of discuss um there's this one from 1980 it's uh unions and collective bargaining we support the right of free persons to uh to voluntarily establish associate associate in or not associate in labor unions an employer should have the right to recognize or refuse to recognize a union as a collective bargaining agent of some uh, or all of his or her employees. And this is where it really gets, you know, into a lot of disagreements we might have is uh, we oppose government interference in bargaining, such as compulsory arbitration or imposing an obligation to bargain. Therefore, we urge repeal of the National Labor Relations Act and all state right to work laws, which prohibit employers from making voluntary contracts with unions. And uh, we oppose all government back to work orders as as imposing a form of forced labor. 
So I feel like a lot of where right libertarians would disagree with that is like on the uh, the right to work laws. But that was in the platform 1980s. So like, what would you what would you say to that? Um, is, what was the read the part again about the right to, to, to work laws? I thought that you said they were we against them. We oppose. Yeah, they are. We oppose government in, government interference in bargaining, such as compulsory arbitration or imposing an obligation to bargain. Therefore, oh, OK, I see. OK. Sorry, I was I was confusing the concepts in my head. Um, yeah, no, I, I maybe some, but I, I I can't imagine any well-read right libertarian disagreeing with that. I mean, right to work laws are just a bad government uh, statist invention to counteract the uh, the abuse of of the union system. And the I agree, the libertarian and the anarchist solution is just you know eliminate all of it and just allow voluntary contracts and associations to to form some places will probably have unions and some places won't and uh the market sorts that out beautifully i think yeah based very based answer um a couple more uh i'm gonna try to pick some of like the the smaller ones so there's um there's colonialism this is from 1978 uh, it states, the United States colonialism has left a legacy of property confiscation, economic manipulation, and overextended defense boundaries. We favor immediate independence for all colonial dependencies such as Samoa, Guam, Micronesia, the Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico, both to free these lands from U.S. To free these lands from US, dom U.S. dominance and to free the U.S. from massive subsidization of them at taxpayers', taxpayers expense. Lands seized by the U.S. government should be returned to its rightful owners. Um, so yeah, I mean, end the empire and, uh, colonialism. Um, the only caveat is it's not always possible to return property to the rightful owners. And so sometimes we have to live with that. If the rightful owners are still alive, then, you know, maybe, but if the rightful owners are dead, it can get kind of messy and impossible to, you know, perfectly go back through history and try to figure out exactly where to, what to do with stuff. And, you know, as long as the, if the current prop, pro, if the current owner, didn't acquire it violently but like the prior one did i tend to, to think that the property should stay with the current owner and not be confiscated from them because to me that's kind of like two wrongs don't make a right um but but, but that's the only distinction i would make i would agree with that on, on principle okay and then uh last one i want to bring up is from 1986 is about monopolies we condemn all coercive monopolies, and we recognize that government is the source of monopoly through its grants of legal privilege to special interests in the, in the economy. In order to abolish monopolies, we advocate a strict separation of business, business and state. Uh, and it goes on. We defend the right of individuals to form uh, corporations, cooperatives, and other types of, of companies based on voluntary association. Laws of incorporation should not include grants of monopoly privilege. In particular, we oppose special limits on the liability of corporations for damages caused in non-contractual transactions. We also oppose state or federal limits on the size of private companies and on the right of companies to merge. Uh, we further oppose efforts in the name of social responsibility or any other reason to expand federal chartering of corporations into a pretext for government control of business. Uh, agreed. And corporations are uh, not free market uh, entities. So, yeah, I, agree yeah, I mean, that. as they say, you know, we might actually be uh, fellow travelers after all, then it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, honestly, if we could get past the cultural stuff, there's really 
uh, I think a lot of agreement on the issues and even, even though, I mean, there's, there's probably some extremes on both ends that, that would have a hard time being reconciled, but I feel like for the most part, uh, you know, I've always tried to find camaraderie with the, uh, the, the left libertarians and anarchists, but it feels like the cultural issues, like I think you said, are the hardest to reconcile. Um, you know, I, I haven't given up hope that they can be. I'm all for the idea of bottom unity in in theory, uh, but there has to be mutual respect, I think, on both sides to, uh, you know, to, to, to fight for each other's rights to freely, you know, to, ho- to hold beliefs about the world that they've come to genuinely and not, you know, be like neither side should try to implement social or peer pressure or shaming to try to like, you know, oh, well, you're not a real anarchist if you're ex, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think you have to be a conservative to be an anarchist. You know what I mean? It's like that you can be a, uh, you know, you can be an SJW for all I care. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it, that, that stuff's unimportant to me. If, if it's unimportant to you, it's kind of what my, philosophy is so um but yeah i think it was a good talk i think we covered a lot of ground um i will uh let you give any closing remarks you want to give on the conversation and you know the topics we covered uh before i close this out um sure if you want to learn more about left libertarianism or like the specific former left libertarianism that I agree with, which is, or that I ascribe myself to, which is left-wing market anarchism. You can obviously read this book. You can also find like essays from it online everywhere on a C4SS. You can even watch um, this episode of the Tom Wood Show where he had Gary Charte on to describe left libertarianism and left-wing market anarchism, which is, I think is a, are you, it's a great, are, it, it, are, are left anarchists allowed to positively talk about Tom Woods? Um, actually, um, no, it's in the code of conduct. You can't, like, it's not allowed. <laughs> but it was a good episode. And I, it was. I, I, and, I remember that and episode. To, and to that point, I think that, you know, I, Tom Woods could have learned a lot, you know, from that episode himself. I mean, he, you know, basically understood what left libertarianism, what left libertarianism was in that episode. But like, then he goes on Twitter and talk to, calls like Cato left libertarianism, which is like, just absolutely not true. Cato's not left They're You know, they promote capitalism they promote like you know th- these things are, like, no, I, I, I don't think cato's left i think they're it's worse than that they're like neoliberal libertarians a lot of times which which is uh like they're they're, they're libertarians who who want to suck up to the regime uh and the establishment i would say it's like we're it's like it's like it's like when you're trying to fit in with the cool kids that's what i think i mean that, that broad broadly speaking there's people at cato i like but um i wouldn't want to 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 generalize generalize too much there but uh but yeah i wouldn't call yeah it's just these terms are very often slippery you know what i mean so i i agree with you but yeah tom woods that, that was a great you know tom woods had i think he had he's had multiple left libertarians on to talk about uh their ideas and stuff so and you've had malice on a lot and mal and they went over malice's book where he had a lot of left anarchists and stuff in there so uh, there's definitely a lot that I think that we can learn from each other. So, uh, but yeah, I interrupted you a little bit. So, <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say one more thing. I was just going to say one more thing. Um, if you want to find the most base libertarian uh, content on Twitter, um, because I am the only liberal libertarian, you will follow me at Rosak Britt. And um, yeah, I look forward to more discussions about you know the nuances between this and uh, 
look forward to more promotion of libertarian unity and bond immunity and, you know, attacking the cult of the unempted state and all unjust hierarchies. Yeah. Pretty well said. Um, yeah. And you know, you're a real libertarian if you're calling everybody else, not a real libertarian. That is the, that, that, that is the lingo for sure. Um, well, thanks Zach for, uh, for coming on. It was a fun conversation. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll do it again sometime. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and, uh, you know, like share, subscribe. If these kind of conversations are the kind of thing you like, um, if you're watching this and there's a subject that you want to come on the show and talk about, you know, you can reach out to me like Zach did and we can set something up. I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody left or right libertarian or statist. I've, I've had a pretty diverse set of, uh, guests on my show and, uh, there's, it's always contra, not always controversial, but there, there, there's, there generally is some people who will have something to complain about, but I think for the most part, it's, uh, uh, it's been beneficial to me. Uh, I love hearing from a wide array of different people and perspectives. Uh, I detest echo chambers. So yeah, uh, pretty much any subject related to politics, liberty, uh, culture, religion, uh, economics, whatever. Uh, I'm happy to have a conversation with people who are uh, willing to come on and talk in good faith. So uh, with that said, um, thanks back again for coming on. And uh, everybody, until next time, remember, don't fear the fire. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.